So last week I told you this, I started out with this illustration about a bird getting into the house. Yes. So I have another house illustration today. So uh, we have a basement in our house and it's, um, it's where uh, the littles play. The, you know, if you're familiar with our family of uh, 1613, had a birthday everybody, 1613. <laughs> and my insurance is about to double, 1613, <laughs> six and four. And so the six-year-old and the four-year-old, whenever we, we moved into the house, I was like, all right, babe, let's just, the basement will be the kids. Let's don't stress about it. We ain't trying to clean it every day. Just out of sight, out of mind, right? Are y'all tracking with me? Let's just forget about it. Like put it down there. So that's where all the toys are. And then wonderful friends gave us a house <laughs> in the basement. It's an awesome one. Thank you. That was great. Appreciate it a lot. There's this big house um, and like playhouse. And so it's the bay, it's where the toys are, right? And so you got little kids, they nick walls and all that kind of stuff, you know, and um, they're throwing things. And, and um, I've, you know, Jonas has a sword, so the sword hits things. And so it's just like, that's what the basement is for. And so, um, but we finally decided that we would paint it. And, and so it had been the construct contractor's paint, that's what they call it, right? Just the white, been the contractor's paint for a while. And we were like, okay, we're gonna actually paint it and give it a color, help spruce it up a little bit, it needed it. And so we went to do this, we had to pull everything off the wall and we're pulling this one shelf that has a bunch of bins with toys in it off the wall and my mom was there and she's like, uh, you got mold. I was like, this house is not that old. How in the world do I have mold? It was at a corner. And um, so I'm actually, Tammy and I were out of town. I don't know where we were. So I call a friend who does mold mitigation. I was like, hey, do you mind uh, come over? And so they came with some kind of machine or something. And so when I get home, all I know is that there's cut, sheetrock cut out about this high from the floor and, and it's exposed, the carpet's pulled back, the pad's gone. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I love being a homeowner. Thank you, God, for my house. I lift my hands. Thank you again. You know, I won't forget your faithful. And so, like, I was like, this is wonderful. And trying to have a good attitude. And uh, so then we had to figure out where is it coming from because obviously water's getting into the house somewhere, right? So I look up, you know, Google top rated, whatever. Like, and so they come out to the house and gave me a wonderful quote that was such a blessing to my soul over $10,000, and I was like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, get out now, I'm not using you. And I was like, come on, I've been in this community a long time, a lot of, I gotta know somebody that knows somebody that's got the hookup on water getting in your house. Are y'all tracking with me? Like, and so um, I was talking to a friend, he's like, yeah, I know someone that does that. They were both in the construction industry, and he's like, he's got a, Really good guy, high integrity. And, uh, and so anyways, I was like, I'll call him. He comes to the house and he's like, Pastor Daniel? And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am your pastor. Let's remember that when we get to the quote. <laughs> I didn't say that, that's what I'm thinking in my head. So anyways, he had a much more favorable quote. 
They ended up having to jackhammer up the house, the, uh, the foundation inside in the corner. And what had happened is that it's in the corner of the house, right where the gutter, and when the water overflowed and it was too heavy of a rain, it would come to that corner. And over time, just water had come down, seeped in where the foundation and the concrete wall meet. I learned a whole lot of things about foundations, y'all. I did not know before. And it was getting in, but it wasn't enough that like, the carpet would get wet, but it was just enough that it would mess up and create mold climbing up the wall. It was a silent killer. And can I tell you, there's some things in your relationships that aren't enough to be like major red flags, somebody hit the eject button, but it's just enough to get up under the foundation. And if you let it go a day, a week, a month, maybe you can let it go a year, two years, a decade, but eventually mold is gonna show up in the relationship and it's gonna destroy and damage things in our relationships if we're not careful. They're silent killers. They don't happen overnight, they happen over weeks or over months. They're, it's not one blow up, it's not one little issue in the real, it's not one moment of tension, it's moment after moment after moment after moment. It just seeps in and you don't always know it and you don't always see it, but it just seeps in under the surface and can begin to destroy relationships. I just wonder if it's not that we drifted apart, it's that there were silent killers. I wonder if it's not that we just are in two stages of life and our friendship isn't what it used to be. Could it be it was silent killers? I wonder if it's not that we just kind of all of a sudden decided we'll ghost them one day. It's that there were silent killers all along the way that we never mitigated the mold in the relationship and as a result, now we have fractured relationships and we have tension and we've canceled people in our life and, and we no longer show up in other people's lives because there were silent killers. Somebody shout silent killers. Silent. I wanna give you a few today. I don't know how many, so we're gonna stay a few. <laughs> Not an exact number for all the OCD people in the room. I'm gonna give you a few, and then I wanna give you a way to mitigate each of these silent killers in your life. If you're with me, say amen. If you're a note taker, I want you to write these down. If not, go ahead and write them down, it'll help you. Um, number one is this. Number one silent killer that I think damages and destroys relationships is unrealistic expectations. Not expectations. You should have some expectations. Like you should have some expectations of like, if you said I do, you remain faithful. Good expectation, are you with me? If you say I'll be your friend and we're ride or die, then be that kind of friend, ride or die. I'm talking about unrealistic expectations. The, the Bible says this, what causes quarrels and fights among you? So what's causing tension? What's causing frustration? What's causing relationships to fall apart? People to walk away from decades and friendships and what's causing tensions in your workplace. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? In other words, you got some desires, you got some wants, you got some expectations. Now, some of you may not go this far. They had some crazy people James was dealing with in his church. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Let's don't do that. Everybody, can we all agree to that? Let's all raise our right hand. I won't let expect to get to murder. Okay, very good. But maybe this, you covet, 
You see what somebody else has and you expect to have that. You look at social media and you think your marriage should look like theirs. You watch a movie and you think that's how, the, I'm, that's how I'm supposed to meet my, my beloved. You know, I was a good husband last night, watched a chick flick. First scene, I was like, yeah, they end up together. We can turn it off and watch Jack Reacher now. <laughs> you covet and you cannot obtain. Why? Because what is painted for you is fake. The expectations that you're given, they're fake. They're airbrushed. Come on, somebody. So you fight and quarrel. So it creates tension and hardship and quarrels. And then he says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's the unlimited God. In other words, you, you have expectations and you're going to the wrong place to look for them. You don't ask God for them, and so that's why you don't have them. So we all have expectations. We all enter relationships, no matter what it is. You enter a job relationship and you're like, you have expectations. You can be like, I have no expectations, but you do. You expect to get a paycheck, right? You expect to get benefits. But sometimes the brochure and the office <laughs> Come on. Not if you work here. But where y'all work. The brochure and the office don't line up. Are y'all tracking with me? You enter an expectation with the friendship and often the, the, what you thought it was going to turn into and what it actually is isn't exactly what it, you walk down the aisle and you walk down that aisle with a list of expectations. You came out with your groomsmen with a list of expectations. You didn't think she actually wore that t-shirt to bed every night. You, you, you thought it was, you didn't think it was going, everything was going to be covered. Hello, can I preach? You had some expectations. She, she walked down that aisle with some expectations though too of what you would do and wouldn't do and provide and wouldn't provide and, and, and DMs you would slide into them ones you would not. Can we talk for a minute? You come with some expectations and when the expectation and the experience don't line up, James said it this way, you covet and you cannot obtain. You desire something, you want something, you expect something, and when that expectation isn't fulfilled, when the experience doesn't meet the expectation, this gap is where frustration sets in, and this gap is where quarrels, or a better way, fighting sets in. This is where tension sets in, and then we do this for year after year after year, decade after decade, then we say we've drifted apart. No, you didn't drift apart. A little bit of water got in the foundation. A little drip got in. And it lasted, and little by little by little by little by little, then we find out I've got mold. And we have to jackhammer the foundation, or we decide to sell the house. And so we walk away from a friendship, we quit the job, and then we get to the next job, and we wonder why every five years there's mold at the job. There's a common denominator. We come with these unrealistic expectations. And here's the reason, is because often in relationships, we are expecting humans who are limited 
to provide for us what only God, who is unlimited, can provide for us. Listen to me, listen to me. There is no human that can give you happiness and give you happy moments, happy experiences, happy days. Let's go, Fonz. Where's my boomers in the room? All right. Hey, let's go. All right. They can meet my needs, not every need. I'm not saying expectations are bad. I'm saying unrealistic expectations. There's no one on this planet who can complete you. It sounds good. It's cool in a movie script. It's an incredible, like, it's a moment. The strings are playing. They lock eyes across the park. How did they both end up in the same city at the same moment? It was fate. No, the writers wrote the script that way. It wasn't fate. It wasn't even close to fate. They ran that scene three times to get the right. We're sucked in, and you complete me. No, in relationships, two halves make two halves. Two broke make two broke. Are y'all tracking with me? Two holes make one hole. The two flesh become one. Are y'all tracking with me? Unrealistic expectations. So what do I do? What, how do I mitigate the mold in my life? I don't look to limited people. I look to an unlimited God. I find first my fulfillment in God. I find first my happiness in God. I find first my joy in God. I find first my contentment in God. I find first my peace in God. I seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you as well. I'm just telling you, if the creator who created you has some ideas on how you ought to do relationships, just maybe you could consider his plan because maybe his plan is the best plan and would save you a whole lot of heartache and pain. Just throwing that out there for your consideration. So unrealistic expectations. Are we tracking so far? Number two, number two is lack of boundaries. Lack of boundaries. I want to talk on this one for a minute. Genesis chapter two, verse 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Even if you're like new to church or the Bible or unfamiliar, you maybe have seen, you've seen a painting of this. This is the don't eat of the fruit. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat, so you have a whole lot of playground. You're free to eat of any tree in the garden. Like you've got massive room to move around in. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, so there's one tree, you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, we think about boundaries oftentimes and the way it's popularly taught and the way modern psychology talks about, which I don't think is bad. They talk about it in terms of of how far people can come into your life. Are you tracking with me? And there are definitely like 
situations and relationships, and, and I've, I've taught this before, there's, there's situations where you should limit people's access. Not everybody needs backstage passes into your life. Are you tracking? There, there are situations like that. Um, as a believer, you don't cancel people, but you can limit their behavior affecting your life. Are you tracking? Let me give you an example. It's like this. Whenever the kids were little and they played in the snow, I was always like, love you. You can come in. All that mess on you can't come in. So you got to take it all off in the garage. Are you tracking with me? If you got mud and all that, all that's got to stay out in the garage. You can come in because I love you. The junk on you can't come in. And so a boundary in that thought is you can come into my life. I'm not cutting you out of my life. I just don't want that behavior coming with you that is damaging and negative, all that in my... y'all tracking with me? All right. So we got that laid straight. However, the problem with that, that analogy, which it's healthy, the majority of biblical text doesn't talk about boundaries in that way. Crickets. I actually think that, that Christians use that thought of boundary to, to spiritualize canceling people. Because love is always on the offense. It's never on the defense, putting up fences. Are y'all tracking? When the Bible talks about boundaries, often it is talking about limits on you and how far you can go. (laughs) Y'all with me? God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, look at this garden, it's amazing, it's beautiful. Like, go wherever you want, but there is one boundary. There's one limit. And the limit is this, on what this one tree, there's, I'm, putting, I'm putting a limit on you. I'm governing you. You know how you put a govern on a car so it doesn't, can't go so far. I'm putting one govern on you. I'm putting a limit on you, and it's that you can't eat of this one tree. That, more often than not, the majority of biblical idea on boundaries is about you limiting yourself and governing this flesh that, if left to itself, would kill and damage relationships all around you. Are y'all tracking? Say Amen. Let me, let me tell you, I think, a few thoughts. Number one is that, that we should um, put a boundary around our mouth. <laughs> Coming from bodies today. <laughs> put a boundary around our mouth. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But what needs to come out of it? Only that which is beneficial or helpful for building others up. Let me add this. I think the text, if it was written in 2023, would said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth or thumbs. It's just, that's the 2023 version of this text, right? But only for what is beneficial. In other words, how, how, much, how much would it benefit the relationships in our life if we just put a boundary, if we put a govern on what comes out of our mouth? How many relationships have been, I'm just giving them a piece of my mind. No, keep it. You need all your mind. We all need all our mind. Some of us did things before Jesus that took some brain cells. Keep, <laughs> keep all. We're so glad you're here. Keep. No, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let any, no, no. 
How much would it help the relationships in your life if you just stop for a minute and go, is this helpful? Is this beneficial? Will this build up? And I'm not talking about rose-colored glasses and only saying like, you know, not ever addressing challenges. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, is it helpful? Is it, sometimes building up is corrective in nature. But is it building up? Is my motive to help? Is my motive to breathe life? Is my motive for your benefit, for your betterment? Or is it I just need to get something off my chest? I just need to let them know what I think. No, is it helpful? Am I building up? And I'm going to put a boundary around my mouth. Man, it's hard in this day. So hard. But I'm going to put a boundary around my mouth. I'm going to put a boundary around my thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How am I transformed? By the renewing of my mind. In other words, listen to me, lean into this. You don't have to think every thought you think. You say that again. You don't have to think every thought you think. In other words, just because it comes into your mind doesn't mean you need to cap, take it and ruminate on it and think about it and, and, and let it digest into your... No, no, you need to stop and go, is this godly? Is this helpful? Is this beneficial? Is this good? Are y'all tracking with me? Because what happens in relationships too often is we don't put a boundary around our thinking and some thought comes into our mind. And then instead of taking that thought captive and thinking through it and evaluating it according to God, we let it run and run and ruminate and we create narratives in our head about people that we don't even know are true. And then we begin to create distance in relationships. Then we begin to get seed of bitterness in our heart. And all of a sudden we ain't even going, I'm going to a new campus. Why? I don't even know. What is happening? It's because we didn't put a boundary around our mind. Is this thought good? Is it godly? Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Is it true? It was on the internet. Is it true? <laughs> well, I heard somebody say it. Is it true? Well, my mom and them were talking about it. Is it true? Do I have facts? Have I gone to the person? Tammy and I are going to help in this series. We're going to talk about those kind of, I got to go to someone and talk to them. I need to put a govern around my actions. I need to put a govern around my actions, right? First Corinthians chapter 10. What does it say? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do. I've studied that word whatever intently. It means whatever you do. It means whatever you do. It means brushing your teeth. It means getting out of bed. It means put, really, Pastor, yeah, whatever you do. What do we do? We do it all for the glory of God. So I'm put a boundary around my actions. Here's a simple question. Does this action glorify God? Does this action bring glory to God? Does it honor God? This thing I'm about to do, this decision I'm about to make, this, this decision I'm about to make in this relationship, does it honor God? Needs to be some boundaries around your actions. I know this may be a little bit old school, but if you are married folk in the house, there should be some boundaries about your interactions with people of the opposite sex that you are not married to. Can I just say it like I feel it today? 
Like there's some boundary. I'll just say there's some boundaries around my actions. I will never slide into your DMs. I don't do my own social media anyway, so there's a little. I ain't gonna be texting you. Well, you're a preacher. You got no, no. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in love with this woman, and I plan to die. I did tell death do us part. Are y'all tracking with me? And I'm putting some boundaries in my life. I'm just saying you got to put some boundaries around the actions, things I will do and things I will not do. They're just some non-negotiables in my life. I will not do. There's some boundaries around, and that may be like ah, that's old school, and that's a, yeah. But we married. We happy. We'll stay married. Are y'all with me? There's just some boundaries I'll put in my life. Needs to be some boundaries around your actions. Not everything that is permissible is beneficial in your life. And if it's not beneficial and it doesn't build up and it doesn't bring life and it doesn't honor God, sure, it's not going to send you to hell, but it may not help you have heaven here on earth right now. Are y'all tracking with me? And so how, what's the, what's the, how do I mitigate that mold in my life? I depend daily on the Holy Spirit's power. In other words, every day, I, every day, Holy Spirit, I need your help today. I need a power that's outside of me because I'm going to want to say some things that I shouldn't say. I'm going to want to think some things that are not helpful. I'm going to want to do some things today that do not honor you. But with your help, I can get through that today. With your help, I can have a boundary on my mouth and on my mind and on my actions. It's a slow drip. Just a little movement of the boundary line. Just another little movement of the boundary line. Just another little movement of the boundary line. And all of a sudden, it's like, what happened to us? It was a silent killer. Just a little bit at a time. And how long that runway is often depends on the stamina of the other person in the relationship. Some people won't put up with it, Dave, but some people will put up for 10 years. That's why 20 years you can be like, but y'all were bros for decades. What happened? Oh, we just, it blew up. No, it didn't. It was a silent killer. How did you divorce after 25 years together? We just drifted apart. No, you didn't. Silent killer. Silent killer. Unrealistic expectations. Lack of boundaries. Are y'all tracking? Number three, secrets. Woo, Jesus, help him preach. <laughs> secrets. Secrets will sabotage a relationship. Genesis chapter two, verse 25 says this, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Originally in the garden, they just walked around in their birthday suit and there was no shame to it. There was no wanting to hide. There was no wanting to cover. There was complete exposure. It's a metaphor Secrets will sabotage your relationship. And your relationships, my pastor says it this way, are only as sick as your secrets. 
Your, your relationships are only as sick as your willingness to open up your heart. And I'm not talking about, maybe for some, it's something you've hidden and you've never told somebody and it's like this deep, dark secret. But sometimes it's just your willingness to be vulnerable enough to go, you know what? I've been, I've been ruminating on this thought about you. I don't even know if it's true. Or, or some of your actions have been making me feel this way or experience you this way. And it's starting to cause me to want to put distance in between you. And I'm talking about these like secrets that we think we just, we're the only one thinking about it and it's only affecting us and it's not really damaging the relationship in any way. But those kind of secrets keep sickness in your relationships and can begin to damage them when you're unwilling to open up and the mitigating process is vulnerability. And we don't like vulnerability, especially as men, we don't like vulnerability. But your relationships will stay sick. They won't thrive. They won't be life-giving. They won't be everything that God intended for them to be in your life when you're setting on secrets. And it's vulnerability. Why? Because if you have no trust, you have no relationship. And where there are secrets, there is a lack of trust. There is a crack in the foundation because it's on the foundation of trust that I can have vulnerability or honesty, maybe is even a better word. I can have honesty. And when I have honesty, then I can have unity. And when I have unity, then I can actually move forward to the purpose of the relationship. Are y'all tracking with me? It is like a pyramid being built. It's like a building being built where I have a strong foundation of I trust you. And because I trust you, I can open my heart to you. And when I can open my heart to you, then I have a tight unity with you. And when I have unity with you, then I can move towards the vision, towards the thing that we want to accomplish together in our life. But where there is no trust, where there are secrets, where I gotta hide from you, where I gotta keep this from this and that from that, then I'm never fully myself and I'm only bringing part of me because part of me is hidden from you. Are y'all tracking? Is this helping? So don't say you have all of me to your spouse if you have secrets. Because they don't have all of you. They have the part of you that you've allowed them to know. And if you got secrets, they don't know all of you. Where there's vulnerability, where there's honesty. Maybe you're like, I don't have those kind of people in my life. That's why do you think we bang this drum of get in a small group? Because we're trying to create safe spaces where you can take the mask off and go, here's what I really think. But if I said what I really think, people would be shocked and they would lock the door before I got there. They'd turn out the lights, they'd hide the chips. They wouldn't let me in next small group. No, you're gonna find people that go, yeah, I was there too. Or I've walked that journey too. Let me show you how to walk that. I've asked that same question. I've wondered that same thing. I've wrestled with that same thing. I've thought that, I've said that. You may be in a group, they're like, that's all. (laughs) Oh, I've done way worse. You're good, bro. (laughs) Silent killers. It's not the big red flags. Those are easy to see. Be sober and watchful. 
Why? Because you got an enemy. And he's trying to destroy relationships in your life. And he doesn't do it with a pitchfork. He does it silently, just a little drip, a little moving of the boundary, a little placing unrealistic expectations, expecting people to be God. Just a little secret. I just keep this one thing. Nobody needs to know about that. I don't know if it's a day or a week or a year or a decade or two decades or three decades, but somewhere the mold begins to show up. God's given you the strength and the power. Look to an unlimited God. Don't look to limited people. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. God will help you set the boundary and keep the boundary. And find a group of people I'd recommend here that you can open your heart up to and be vulnerable to mitigate the mold and to save the foundation of all the relationships in your life. Do you receive the word today? If you would, bow your head, close your eyes with me. With no one looking around, I ask you to just hang with me another moment. You know, really everything I've said today is good information, but not necessarily helpful to you if there's not this one relationship in its right place in your life. And it's the relationship between you and God. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, you won't have the strength to keep the boundaries. You won't have the ability to be vulnerable. You won't have the ability to look to God. You'll keep looking to other people if your relationship with God isn't in its right place. If God isn't first. And today I want to invite you to take that step, make that decision to say, no, God, I'm I'm putting you in the right place in my life. For some of you, he's been a part of your life or he's been on the list of your life, but he's never been prominent. He never said, no, I need God to be first place in my life. And, and today's your day. This is, just, this is why you're here. It's why you're listening online. Is to make that decision, take that step. The Bible says that we've all sinned and that's not a meant to condemn you. It's just the reality of humanity. We've all sinned. And the Bible says because of that sin, there's a penalty and it's eternal separation from God. And it's the whole reason Jesus came. He didn't want it to be that way. And so he came and he died the death. He paid the penalty for sin. Not only did he die, but he rose again three days later, proving that he was who he claimed to be, the son of God, with the power to take away the sin of the world. And today I'm not inviting you into a church or into an organization. I think this is a great one if you're looking for one. I'm inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. And if you're not confident that you have a relationship with Jesus, today's your day, this is your moment to say, God, I'm gonna put you first in my life. I want you to forgive me today, make me new, give me a fresh start. So a moment, we're gonna pray at every location. 
But if that's your desire today, I want to know who I'm praying with. And just myself, our campus pastors, with our eyes open, everyone else, I ask you to respect this moment. But at every campus, even online, if you'd say, Pastor, that's me, I need a fresh start. I'm going to put God first in my life. Then I'm going to count to three when I do. I just want you to shoot your hand up high enough, long enough for myself or your campus pastor to see, and then we're going to pray. So this is your moment. When I get to three, you just shoot your hand up on three. One, two, three. You just shoot your hand up high enough, long enough. God bless you. God bless you. I see it. Incredible. You can put it down. Church, let's pray this out loud together for the benefit of those who just slipped their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. I put you in the first place in my life. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who make that decision. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.